Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Given the events of yesterday in New York, we thought it'd be a good idea to uh, move our normal Thursday visit with Matt Mayer of Opportunity Ohio up to Wednesday because I wanted to get his reaction to what he saw play out at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Matt, we have those on the conservative side saying that there has to be another crime if you're going to elevate the misdemeanor to a felony with Trump. There are a lot of ways we can get into the weeds, the whole uh, expiration of the statute of limitations and others. But I just think it's a larger issue is that this is the targeting of a political opponent. And I think that Donald Trump has to, if he's going to use this to his advantage, he has to quickly steer away from persecution of himself to this is indicative of the kind of persecution that could be coming for conservatives as a whole if we don't get rid of the Democratic power base. I would say, Bruce, that has been coming. I mean, this isn't a future tense issue, right? I mean, we've, right. we've seen nonviolent January 6th folks. You know, they arrested a grandma last week in Virginia literally for trespassing. She did nothing. For 15 minutes, she walked in and then left. And so we're seeing the, the politicalization and the weaponization of the judicial system. And that's been happening. And, yeah, I hope you're right. I hope Trump doesn't make this the, you know, all about me, but more about this broader issue that, you know, you dare not be a conservative Republican Trump supporter if if you are in a jurisdiction that is heavily Democratic and you happen to do anything to so much as sneeze, because you really do face a, a, an unfair prosecuting district attorney. You, you face an unfair grand jury pool and you fa- face a horribly unfair jury if you end up going to, to trial. And that's why this whole thing is such a joke. I mean, if Alvin Bragg is so confident in his case. I would love to see him put that in front of a grand jury of a truly representative group of Americans or try the case in a venue that is truly representative of Americans. He should readily agree to to a change of venue that Trump files, because if his case is so strong, then the, 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 the jury pool shouldn't matter to him because, right, the facts matter. He's got the facts in the law, allegedly, which we both know he doesn't have. Yeah, and he's definitely going to want to charge it in Manhattan, where it's an 87 percent Joe Biden voter base. Uh, Lucky you and I, being conservatives here in Columbus, we sort of exist in that same sort of environment. And you're right, uh, this is not really the first time we've seen this uh, persecution or bending of the law, persecution of conservatives bending of the law. I mean, I listed a long litany of things earlier in the show about the fact that Joe Biden has ignored the Supreme Supreme Court's authority on rent moratorium. Uh, I'm sure he will ignore it on student loan forgiveness. Obviously, that's unconstitutional. Uh, We've seen the weaponization of the Justice Department on and on and on and on. So this is just a continuation. I think it is a an emboldening of the Democratic idea that uh, the compromise is worth it because all of you on the other side are just too evil. Yeah. And look, let's be clear, right? The left in Alvin Bragg's goal here is to invigorate the Trump base to ensure he wins the primary and is the Republican nominee, because whether they're right or not, and time will tell, they believe he is beatable compared to a Ron DeSantis. 
And so they want to make sure that Trump sucks all the oxygen out of the room over the next year as the Republicans go into their primary season. And what do you know? The current trial date is scheduled to be in January of next year, right when we hit the Iowa caucuses in the New Hampshire primary. So, I mean, this is a political case. As it, it puts us really back into the you know banana republic era of like Russia, Iran, Venezuela. And it's shameful. I mean, it really is. And when you see media organizations who allegedly, right, are nonpartisan, I, you know, I saw CNN yesterday who changed a picture of him that, that they took inside the courthouse and amped up the orange wattage on mm-hmm. the color screen to make him look super orange. And like, what do you do in here, right? Like, you you know what happens if they do that with African-Americans by making them look darker, right? They, yep. All hell breaks loose, as it should. Well, they should be they're manipulating pictures to do the same thing to Trump. And it's petty and ridiculous, but it shows their bias to the core. Matt Mayer, our guest, OpportunityOhio.org. Follow Matt on Twitter at OhioMatt and read his policy paper on an exploratory run for governor at OhioMatt.com. So I want to pursue that a bit, what you said about the Democrats trying to elevate Trump in the primaries and then get him to be the candidate because they presume him easier to beat. I heard a podcast yesterday with Charles C.W. Cook of National Review, who, as you know, is not a Trump fan and the National Review are not Trump people. And he said the Democrats better be careful doing this. He said their presumption could be incorrect because we've got a lot of time to run between now and the 2024 election. There could be a severe recession. There could be a climb in gas prices with what OPEC has done in cutting production. And he also mentioned the fact that he felt like the image of Hillary Clinton, like faltering on her feet and that playing out and people wondering about her health. He said, we're one Joe Biden stumble on a stage, off a stage, up a set of stairs. He said he could hide in his basement during the pandemic presidential uh Uh, campaign. He cannot hide in his basement this time. He sounds more tired, more halting, more unsure of himself virtually every time he speaks. And he said Trump is anything if not robust and energized. And the contrast between the two, the Democrats may not get what they want. And I thought for the first time, you know, I, I probably need to back off my statements that Trump cannot win because Joe Biden may not be able and may not benefit from the things that he benefited from the last time. You know, I think Trump can certainly win, right? I mean, and look, to your point, to today headlines, right? The, 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 the March job, uh, job growth was, was plummeted. So it was terrible compared to prior months below expectations and small business bankruptcies are skyrocketing. So like, right, we're starting to see some of this economic mess happen. And if that in fact happens and we go into a recession, Joe Biden's going to be deeply wounded by that, right? Because, you know, that's going to go to the pocketbook of Americans and especially the key states where it matters. And so this is this is going to play out over the next year. And, and, and I think the Democrats are playing dangerous with this stuff. But look, I, I don't expect this thing to ever even go to trial, because the reality is there is so little there there to these 34 indictments. And, you know, to, to take a state misdemeanor that is and then strap it to an FEC felony that even the FEC said wasn't a felony. And, you know, they have this irrespective rule that if you would do something irrespective of running for office, it's not a campaign thing. And so everybody knows that, you know, if Trump paid this off to keep this away from Melania and other things, right, that, that, that's enough for it to not be a federal campaign issue. So he can't win this unless he is in, the, the jury is so grossly biased that it doesn't matter what he puts in front of them. They're going to convict Trump because of just pure Trump derangement syndrome. And that's probably the best chance they have of winning. But I, I suspect a judge or an appellate court is going to toss this thing out uh, in the coming coming uh, year. 
Yeah, we will see. Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org is our guest. His Twitter, at OhioMatt. His website on an exploratory run for governor, OhioMatt.com. Speaking of jobs, uh, you have been a staunch critic of Jobs Ohio, and you have a, uh articulation of that and the fact that the jobs in the state of Ohio have not bounced back since the pandemic and that that is under the radar with media coverage in the state of Ohio. People can find that at opportunityohio.org. Tell us about where Ohio stands with jobs and what frustrates you about the coverage or lack of coverage of that issue. Yeah, look, I, I opposed jobs, jobs Ohio when it was created, right? But we've now got 12 years of data on whether it is a good thing or a bad thing. And remember, when John Kasich proposed this, this was going to be the, the country's number one economic development engine. It was going to put Ohio so far ahead of everybody else that, frankly, the other states were going to mimic it. And by the way, not a single state has mimicked it, right? But what are the results 12 years later? Well, we can't get a better, clear image of the results than recovery from the pandemic. Every, every state got shut down to some degree, some more than others. And so what are the results? Well, here we are now, two years later, in Ohio is among the 11 states that has yet to recover all the jobs lost since January of 2020. We are about 10,900 jobs below where we were two years and two months ago, right? So we're not with the 40, you know, 40 states that have recovered. We're in the bottom 10. So if there is, if there is a greater indictment of Jobs Ohio's failure, I can't find it because if it was supposed to be so good, then Ohio should be at the top 10, let alone top 40, but it certainly shouldn't be in the bottom 10. And what is so aggravating to me is, where is the Columbus Dispatch? Where is, you know, Karen Kessler in, 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 in Stadio Public Radio? Where is ABC or NBC? Where are they saying to Jobs Ohio, here are the hard facts, Chief. How can you call yourself a success if Ohio is at the bottom of the pack yet again? That is a Scream recipe for failure. How do they not walk up to Mike DeWine and John Hewson and say, your administration is a failure. You've had four years to kind of become this entity, and all you can do is point to an Intel thing coming, a chips thing coming, as the rest of the state is dying. And these numbers are crystal clear. So I just, it is so frustrating to me to see a media that is such a lapdog of the establishment that they refuse to do any investigative reporting to dig into and get answers from these folks making hundreds of thousands of dollars off of taxpayers to do a crap job of creating the state into as, as a powerhouse economically. Because it certainly isn't when you look at the facts and see that we are still among the handful of states not to recover, as the rest of the states have not only fully recovered, they are now blowing past, in some cases, they are, they are putting in 10, 12, 15 percent beyond where they were. But not Ohio. We remain a laggard. And you can find all that data at opportunityohio.org. Matt Mayer, our guest, follow him on Twitter at OhioMatt and his other website about his exploratory run for governor is ohiomatt.com. Thanks for moving your appointment up a day, and it's always great to talk to you. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, Bruce. I appreciate Matt Mayer joining us a day earlier than his normal Thursday visit so we can get his perspective on the indictment of Donald Trump. Uh, I, again, think Trump has to be very, very disciplined in how he talks about this, and that is not his strength. Uh, That is not even an aspect 
of his uh, persona, discipline. But I believe if he can convincingly make the case that the kind of targeted persecution of him awaits the rest of America who pushes back against things they disagree with, could be border policy, who knows? It could be simply as something as innocuous as economic policy. We used to just disagree on things. Remember the phrase, um, I disagree with what you say, but I defend to the death your right to say it. <laughs> Quaint, antiquated viewpoint now in light of today's partisanship out there, is it not? And I wish I could state with confidence that the overplaying of power by the left has awakened people to the dangers of that overplay of power, but it hasn't. And we see evidence of it not just in Trump's indictment yesterday, but in two other things that happened yesterday that didn't get nearly the national attention that they would have gotten had they happened on a day where a former sitting president was indicted. One of them happened in the state of Wisconsin where there was a Supreme Court, state Supreme Court, election. And the winner of said election, Judge Janet Protaskowitz, won by a margin of 55 to 45 over conservative justice Dan Kelly. Now, why is this big? Because Janet Protaskowitz campaigned on the right to an abortion. You say, wait a minute, I've never heard a judge take a judicial position on how they would decide an issue before it comes before their court. Yes, that is correct. Because that is off limits for judges to campaign on issues, right? You might have thought when you voted for Maureen O'Connor or Pat DeWine or other justices in previous Ohio State Supreme Court elections, you might have thought you knew where they stood on issues, and you might have been right in guessing where they stood on issues, but what you did not see ever is a judge campaign on the position that they will take before the facts of the case are presented before them. But that is not how liberal justice Janet Protaskowitz campaigned in Wisconsin. Why? Because... She knew that if she went out front with her support of abortion, with her dislike for voter ID laws, with her dislike for strong penalties or criminal activity, violent criminal activity, she knew that she would get overwhelming support from inner city Milwaukee and from Dane County, Wisconsin, which is where the University of Wisconsin is located. And she did get that overwhelming support, and that is why she won, and that is why the state Supreme Court of Wisconsin, is now tilting liberal. And so you can say goodbye to the state of Wisconsin as a possible Republican win in the 2024 presidential election. It will not happen because the state's voter ID laws are certain to be challenged at the state Supreme Court level, and they are certain to be be overturned by the fact that Janet Protaskowitz is now a state Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin. That is exceedingly depressing to me, as is the fact that last night, on the same night that Janet Protaskowitz was winning and tilting the balance of power in the Wisconsin State Supreme Court to the leftist ideology, the city of Chicago, the once great city of Chicago, 
city with the big shoulders, city I used to love to go to every August for the Big Ten kickoff luncheon, city where myself and my buddies would think nothing of the fact that 10 o'clock at night, after we got done with our writing for the day, we'd walk to a restaurant in or around Michigan Avenue, or even on side streets, looking for a great place to eat, looking for a little hole in the wall, maybe walk over to Harry Carey's, never worrying or even thinking about our personal safety perhaps being in jeopardy. I would not do that now because I would be signing my own death warrant if I did that now. And that fact is even more true because the city of Chicago last night elected Brandon Johnson as mayor to follow Lori Lightfoot. Now, if you know anything about the policies of the pride of Massillon, Ohio, Lori Lightfoot, you know that she has been soft on crime and is maybe not singularly, but certainly largely responsible for the escalation of murder and violent crime in the city of Chicago. What is Brandon Johnson's political platform? Did he promise to make Chicago safer? Well, he did, but he promised to make it safer by cracking down on crime and putting people in jail for things that lead to violent criminal activity, which is any criminal activity that you get away with because criminal activity always escalates if you're not punished for it. Uh, That would be a no. Uh, Brandon Johnson is left of Lori Lightfoot. He is more radical than Lori Lightfoot. And how, you say, how did Brandon Johnson get elected? Well, does it surprise you that he had the overwhelming support of Chicago teachers unions? Of course he did. He's a puppet of Randy Weingarten and the American Federation of Teachers, and he is a George Soros-backed candidate who attributed the riots in Chicago in the summer of 2020 to an outbreak, I'm quoting, an outbreak of incredible frustration and anguish tied to a failed racist system. Yes, Brandon Johnson, who has proposed $800 million in additional taxes on Chicago businesses, which will then be invested in community relations programs in poor neighborhoods to end the violence in the city of Chicago. So that's what you're in for in Chicago. He was asked, do you worry about stores leaving Chicago and Cook County because they don't think it's safe? He said, these companies have insurance. You can't take a certain level of urgency to protect capital and the wealthy and not have that same tenacity to provide relief for families that have been devastated through through structural racism for generations. That's your new mayor, Chicago. So that city is hopelessly gone, and I fear the state of Wisconsin is as well.